you're here in person or online, welcome. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad you are here. I do want to connect with you, so just again, I want to remind you to text that word new to the number on the screen, 720-707-1757, so we can get connected with you and get you plugged into the community group, get to know you. I'd love to even just chat with you on the phone if you're up for it. Um, so welcome. I'm glad you guys are here on online. We love you that you are joining us online. And I know some of you have been thinking, well, I don't know if I want to go in person yet. A little unsure about it. But as I shared in a video this week on our Facebook uh, and social media pages, that, that I saw a meta study. So a Japanese meta study of a hundred different other studies. And they said it is 20 times safer to be outdoors than indoors right now. 20 times safer. That some people even say it's safer to be here where you guys are right now than at the grocery store. And I'm pretty sure most of you guys are still getting groceries, right? So I want to encourage you guys, if you've been watching online, a little tentative. Just, just come back. Um, we'd love to. And I'm so glad those of you who are here. Um, of course, there's always some risk. But I feel like, man, this is just such a blessing. I talked with one of the other pastors here in our area. You know, we're the only church in, in this neighborhood, formerly known as Stapleton, the Central Park neighborhood. The only church that owns their own building. And we have this yard. What an amazing blessing from God that we can have this space. Because this pastor I talked to this last week was like, Matt, I just don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do. We're trying to do everything online, but there's something about being in person that's powerful. Uh, and those of you guys who are here, you understand that. So I'm glad you guys can do it. And, and what a blessing to God that we can be grateful that we have this space, right? Isn't that amazing? And I feel like here in Colorado, we only got a, like, <laughs> a handful of weeks left, right? handful of weeks left that we can be out here. So let's celebrate and let's be in person as much as we can. That brings me to my one really exciting announcement um, that our um, new candidate for the new worship director, uh, Chase Napier, is going to be here next Sunday. We're really excited about that. You know, Bobby, he's going to still be a part of our church, but as a full-time teacher, he's having to step down as his role of, as worship director here. Still going to be a part of our church. But we're bringing in Chase Napier this next Sunday. That's Labor Day weekend, so I know some of you are like, oh, I'm already going to be gone. But if you're going to be gone, you're going to tune in online. I know it. Um, and if you're going to be here, you're going to want to be here. We're going to, after the words, we're going to have a chance for you guys to meet Chase and his wife, um, Michaela. Now, they're both coming from the Atlanta area. Uh, Michaela actually grew up in Colorado Springs, um, but they met at uh, one of the um, churches in the North Point Community Church Network. And I don't know if you've heard of this church. There's a pastor there by the name of Andy Stanley. Um, but that's where they met, and, and Chase has been playing there and, and, and leading um, worship and being part of worship at a number of churches there in Atlanta. We're so excited that they're going to be here. He's been playing music forever. You're going to love him just as much as we've grown to love him. So make sure that you're here next Sunday. Um, September 6th for that chance to meet Chase and his wife, Michaela. And if you guys are watching, I'm so glad that you're watching online, Chase and Michaela. Um, thanks for joining us. So that's the exciting announcement for next week. And then today we are going to be in our fifth week of our series, Radical. We're going to finish that series up next week, but we're in our fifth week of that series, Radical, today as we learn how to pray. As we learn how to pray. And I think this is such an important thing. There was a study done just a few years ago that found that 79% of Americans said that in the last three months they prayed. But by praying, people mean all sorts of different things. Because even as I looked further uh, deeply into the study, some people are praying to themselves. <laughs> you know, they're praying to all sorts of different gods, praying in all sorts of different ways. So I think one of the questions is, how are we supposed to pray? And I did get this question. There was somebody new to the, the faith just a few weeks ago in our church. I talked to them on the phone. And they said, Matt, I, this may seem like just so basic, but how do you pray? How do you pray? This is a question that I think we all kind of struggle with. Hey, am I supposed to pray? Am I praying right? Uh, you know, I don't pray as well as that guy up on the stage. Okay, how do you do it? Are, are you supposed to pray at certain times of the day? 
You know, is there a certain amount of times you're supposed to pray in the day too? That's another question, right? Does it have to be five times a day? Do you have to face a certain direction? Okay, do you have to be on your knees? Do you have to be, have your hands in the air? Do you have to have your hands clasped? What about fingers up or fingers in? That's the big debate, right? Okay, can you pray without your hands together? Okay, do you have to have your eyes closed, eyes open? All these questions we have about prayer. Do you have to sit in the lotus position to center yourself to pray? Do you have to pray standing? I think these are all questions we have. We also have questions about what prayer we're supposed to do. Is there like a book, like the Book of Common Prayer, that we're supposed to say those prayers? Or, or a certain thing that we're supposed to recite several times a day? What are, is the way that we are supposed to pray? And today in our series, Radical, we're going to learn from Jesus what it means to pray because what Jesus is going to teach us is kind of radically different than most all religions in the world. Really, it is how he taught us to pray. And what's going to be the most radical thing about it is is how audacious and bold he encourages us to pray in our relationship with God. And I think you're going to really like that. And um, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13 today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open there. You can look on the YouVersion Bible app. You can open that up and follow along. We have the scriptures there. We're going to have the main scriptures here on our screens if you can see those or if you're watching on the screen with you as well. Um, So uh, Luke chapter 11, and I just want to jump right now into verse 1 because it says that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. So there is Jesus praying. He's modeling for them. Hey, I'm praying. Everybody else, the disciples are with him. They're, They're watching him and pray. And it says that when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And of course, that's John the baptizer, the great phenomenal preacher that came right before Jesus. And they're saying, hey, John's disciples learned how to pray. Would you teach us? We're your followers, Jesus. We want to learn how to pray. We've radically left everything to follow you. Just teach us that basic thing. I'm seeing you pray, Jesus. How do you do it? And what I'm going to teach you today, and this is an acronym from Sawyer, man. Thanks, Sawyer. He really helped me with this message this week. You guys can give him the kudos for this message. Uh, If there's anything good, it's from him. If there's anything bad, uh, it's from me. I'm sorry about that. Okay, you can just forget that. But this acronym that I'm going to teach you guys to pray from Jesus, and it's very simple because it is the word Pray. That's good, right? I mean, this is going to make Rick Warren proud. Okay, pray, P-R-A-Y. And that's what we're going to teach you to do today because prayer, this is, this is how Jesus teaches us to pray, is to do it personally, to do it relentlessly, to do it audaciously, and expect a yes. That, that fourth one doesn't quite follow the same pattern. To, to, to pray um, personally, relationally, audaciously, and expecting a yes. So that's how we're going to learn to pray, because that is what Jesus teaches us about how to pray. And this was important in his day, because we know from traditions that there was actually an expected way and a normal way for Jews in Jesus' day how to pray. And Jesus, of course, was a Jew. And at the time, they kind of took the example of Daniel, and they all practiced it. And you may remember that Daniel prayed three times a day. And that was kind of the practice that had been established when God's people were in exile. So even though the, now they were back in Israel, they said, hey, let's still pray three times a day. So if you were a good Jew in Jesus' day, you prayed three times a day. At sunrise, at 3 p.m., and at sunset. And you would say the same prayers all three times during the day. You'd start out with a prayer called the Shema that Jews, Orthodox Jews to this day still say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. You guys know that one, right? From Deuteronomy 6.4, it's, it's the, the basic prayer that, that begins everything. The Lord our God is one. And then after that prayer, they would say, they would recite 18 prayers. 18 prayers, right? 
So there was the same 18 prayers, and then that Shema that you'd say first. And that was kind of the ritual. Three times a day, you'd say those prayers. So that was kind of the standard practice. Not everyone did it, but that was what was taught in Jesus' day. So when Jesus' disciples will say, how do you pray? They must have noticed that Jesus does it it a little differently, right? (laughs) He's not doing that standard Shema and then 18 prayers three times a day. He's, He's praying a little differently. In fact, already in Luke, we've seen how Jesus went before sunrise, or he went up to the mountain to pray. So he's praying a lot differently than was standard in that day for religious people, because Jesus is, of course, a radical. And when they teach him, well, how are we supposed to pray? Jesus dives right in. And what he's going to teach them, even if it sounds a little traditional, this first part, to you, it's not. It's radical. It's radical as Jesus teaches them to pray. And that first letter of our acronym that we learn from this is that Jesus teaches us to pray personally. P for personally. So look with me at uh, Luke 11, verse 2. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So that sounds tradition to us, right? We, we've said that, right? We call it the Lord's Prayer because Jesus taught that prayer. Some of you growing up in church maybe said that every single week. Maybe some of you, uh, when you got in trouble, the priest told you to say that, uh, the Our Father Prayer, you know, uh, a dozen times, a hundred times, no matter, I mean, depending on how bad you were that week, right? With the sin you confess you, right? So a lot of you are familiar with this prayer, but what Jesus is saying is this is a radical prayer. This is not the Shema. This is not one of the 18 prayers that the Jews recited again and again and again. This is something brand new, and he's saying, pray our Father. There's a collective sense that this belongs to all the people of God, that we say, Father. And hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means holy, that you're set apart, that you are special, you are unique. Your kingdom come. Now, it's really interesting here, that first word, and that's what I really want to call your attention to, and that's why I'm telling you to pray personally, because that word Father is actually really unique. Most all scholars agree that Jesus spoke Aramaic. Aramaic. It was similar to Hebrew, the traditional language that the Bible was written in, and everybody that was Jewish had learned Hebrew just like they do to this day. And yet the prayer that Jesus says here is in Aramaic. And that word father, if you look at the Aramaic root, is a word Abba. Abba. And if you've been here at all, you've heard me teach on this before, because that's what the early Christians were taught to pray. Pray Abba. The word Abba could be translated more accurately as dada. Not even daddy, right? Not even dad. Dada, okay? It's one of those things that that children say. To this day, in four different countries in the Middle East, children, the first things, or one of the first words they learn is to say Abba, just like dada or papa. Okay, these are those words, mama. Uh, You know, Melissa and I have our twins, um, and they are just eight months right now, and and Canaan hasn't quite figured out how to say any words yet, but Evie, our our girl, is saying, dada. And man, it warms my heart. That's one of the very first words she says, dada, mama. Okay, she she can say those because dada. It's very simple, and she knows now. I can tell because she says it to me. Maybe I'm reading into it, but, but she says, dada, when I'm around. She's trying to get my attention. Dada. And that Jesus is saying, hey, just like the little kids call their dad Abba, we can talk to God in heaven and call him Abba, Daddy. Because it's that intimate of a relationship. Sure, there's the respect of hallowed be your name, just like you have respect for your father. But you have an intimate relationship with your dad. If he's a loving dad, a caring dad, you can talk to him. Our daughter McKinley, who's, who's three and a half, she'll say, Daddy, can I ask you a question? <laughs> Of course. Or, Daddy, can I tell you something? And I'm always there to listen, right? And then when she does ask me for something, unless it's crazy and outrageous, I want to say yes, right? Because I have a loving relationship with her. Daddy, can I have a bite of your cookie? 
man, nobody can get a bite of my cookie, but McKinley can, right? <laughs> All she has to do is ask. Daddy, can we go play soccer ball? Okay, you, you don't play soccer, you play soccer ball with McKinley. And of course, we're going to go outside and kick the soccer ball around. Or, or Daddy, can I color on the windows? I even said yes to that. Yes, she took markers and colored on the windows this last week. Why? Because I love her. We have a relationship, and she can ask those things to her dad, and we have that relationship, and I want that relationship. I want it to grow and, and nurture that relationship. So our Father in Heaven is the same way. He says, this is how you're supposed to pray. Call me Dad. Ask me things. Yes, there's respect and reverence, just like you have for a good father in this world, but, but there's an intimacy there, too. There's a personal relationship in this. And this is what radically sets apart uh, the faith of Jesus, Christianity, from all the other religions of the world. If you look at other religions or if you grew up in other religions, there's such just like an out there relationship with God, right? He's, he's there. He's other. He's, he's the thou greatest goddess up there in the heavenists, right? Okay, it's just so other. It's so uh, different, you know, um, that, that you have to bow down to this, this God. And, and he's somewhere so out there and you're afraid of him. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus doesn't say you have to go to the priest to talk to God. He doesn't say you have to light candles or incense to talk to God. He, he doesn't say you have to bow down in a certain way or close your eyes or hold your hands in a certain way. He doesn't say you have to offer a sacrifice in, in case that God's going to strike you down because of the e- evil sin that you have committed. No, 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 none of that. Jesus says, just talk to him. You have a personal relationship. Say, Dad. Dad. So the first thing we need to learn from this is P, that we pray personally. Johnny Erickson Tata once said, There is nothing that moves a loving father's soul quite like his child's cry. I believe that. So when we cry out to God, Dad, I need help. He's there. He loves you. He cares about you. You have a relationship with your Father in heaven if you are a follower of Jesus. So P, pray personally. But the prayer is not just a one-time thing that you say that prayer. Dad, this is what I need. This is what's going on. And then you can move on. What Jesus is going to teach us next is that the R in my acronym, or or Sawyer's acronym, is that we need to pray relentlessly. We need to pray relentlessly. So that's the R, relentlessly. You guys are going to remember this, right? There's a quiz afterwards. Okay, we need to pray relentlessly. Look with me as we continue this this Lord's Prayer section in verses 3 and 4. Jesus said, Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. These simple prayers, I want you to see how simple they are, but Jesus is teaching them as daily prayers. Did you notice that? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today. So that means Jesus is saying, hey, pray this again and again and again and again. Same thing with forgive us our sins. Okay, you, you do need to, to repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness the first time you come in faith to Jesus Christ. That's important. But guess what? You're not done. <laughs> okay? Uh, I have some sins from this week I needed to confess and ask for forgiveness for. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. Okay? But I did. And it's something that you happen daily. Daily you go to God, forgive me again. And lead us not in temptation. Well, temptation is something that comes at us every single day. See, this just the relentless nature of prayer that Jesus is saying. Every day ask for food. Every day ask for provision. Every day ask for what you need. Every day ask for forgiveness. Every day ask for God to protect you in what you're going through in life. These are this relentless nature of prayer. Just keep at it. Just, just like in a relationship. Okay, you don't ask one time and then you say, oh, we're good. We'll see you in 30 years. 
It's not like uh, I can say, well, I told McKinley I love her once. It's good, right? I I told Melissa I love her, you know, when we got married. I don't need to say it again, right? No, you keep talking. You keep speaking to the person. You keep asking them for things as that relationship continues to grow and grow and grow. So that's why we need to learn to pray relentlessly. This is taught even clearer if you jump down to verses 9 and 10. So I'm going to jump ahead for just a second. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus says, So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There's a relentless nature about this prayer. All of those are the present participles, if you've ever studied Greek, which means it's ongoing. It's something that you do again and again and again. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. So if it's something you haven't gotten an answer to in a prayer, you keep going. You're relentless. You keep going until you get the answer. Uh, until there, there's no way you can keep praying it. Uh, one of the great examples of this is George Mueller, the, the great British man who, who ran an orphanage. Incredible man of faith. And he had a list of guys that he prayed with his whole life for them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And there was two guys that he prayed for for over 50 years, that they would believe in Jesus and be transformed. Well, one of those guys accepted Jesus right before he died, and the other one accepted Jesus after he died. But for over 50 years, he kept praying, he kept praying, he kept praying. And that's the relentlessness we need to have in our prayers. Some of you right now are even thinking, perhaps, of a child that that you're praying for. Maybe a child, you're like, I don't know if they're ever going to come to faith. It seems like they've walked away. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Be relentless in it. If you're praying for healing, okay, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. We've got to be relentless in our prayers. Ask, seek, knock. Keep at it every day. Don't give up. And that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. You know, we don't have to worry that we're going to like tire God out. He's like, enough already. You know, that's what we think, right? That we're so annoying. Well, God wants us to. He's teaching us to keep praying. Be relentless in our prayers. Okay, you're, you're allowed to do that. It's good to do it. In fact, that shows that you have a relationship with this God. He wants you to be relentless in your prayers. And the third thing, the A that we're going to do. It's not just the re- relentlessness and that it's over and over again. It's also how we pray and, and, and the things that we pray for. And that's why the third thing we need to learn, that A, is to pray audaciously. Audaciously, okay? I like this word. Pray audaciously. Jesus tells a story next, uh, starting in verse 5. It's often called the, the parable of the friend at midnight because this, this guy has a visitor coming to him. He shows up at, in the middle of the night Say, hey, I'm going to stay with you, which probably would have happened in the Middle East. You know, it was hot sometimes to walk out in the sun, so they would have been traveling at night. Shows up at the middle of the night at this guy's house, maybe wasn't expecting him. You know, there was no cell phones. There was no call ahead, okay? You you know, there was not even like a telegraph to like send a message like I'm coming on this date, right? Somebody just shows up, right? And you're like, okay, I need to put you up in my house. And and this guy realizes he doesn't have any food to share with his, his visitors who are hungry because they've been walking all through the night. So he says, I've got to do something. So he goes, runs over to his neighbor, the, the nearest house, and he's banging on the door. At midnight, it says. At midnight, in the middle of the night, after everybody has gone to sleep. Okay, people weren't staying up and watching Netflix then, okay? Because there was no electricity. Yeah, okay? Just blew somebody's mind. Okay, nobody's up in the middle of the night, right? Everybody's asleep. In fact, the man says, I- I've already put everybody to bed. They probably only had one bed to share with a family. Everybody's in bed together. The guy's like, I'm not going to go and unbolt the door to get you bread. And this guy's like, I just need three loaves of bread. We've got these guests coming in. Do you have anything? I've got nothing in my house. And this man does not want to get up. He's asleep. His family's asleep. He knows he's going to have to wake up everybody just to get some bread out. 
But it says, interestingly enough, at the very end of this parable in verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, even though the man will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The guy's like, oh, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, my family's in bed, I don't want to get up. But because you're so shameless to come in the middle of the night, have no shame. Have you no shame, right? To, to come in the middle of the night, everybody's asleep, to wake up my whole family to get bread for this friend that I don't even know who it is. But he's like, fine, I'll just do it. Like, he's probably like, I might as well just do it. Everybody heard you knock on the door and yell anyways, right? Because of your shamelessness, your audacity to come boldly in the middle of the night and wake everybody up to get some bread, fine, I'll do it. What Jesus is saying is that our Father in Heaven actually loves us. He likes us. <laughs> that, that He doesn't just feel like, I guess I have to do this for you. No, no, no. He wants to do things for us. So if the guy in the middle of the night is willing to get up and get bread for the people because they're shamelessly audacious, we should be shamelessly audacious as well. Approaching a God who loves us and cares about us. We should be bold. That, that word audacious, you know, you could be translated as impudent, <laughs> bold, uh, the, the, I think there's the, the Yiddish word, some chutzpah, right? Okay. To, to show up in the middle of the night, how bold is this guy? But Jesus says that is how we're supposed to pray, audaciously. Audaciously. Earlier this year, I read uh, the memoir um, of Bob Iger, the, the CEO of Disney. I think he's stepping down either this year or next. Uh, his book is called The Ride of a Lifetime. Really fascinating business book and, and tells about his time at Disney. But what, what I really took away, one of the biggest takeaways from the book, was how bold he was. How bold he was. Because when he took over as CEO of Disney in 2005, Disney animation was actually not doing well. I don't know if you remember that, but back in the 90s, when I was a kid, you know, there was the, some great Disney movies. Lion King. There, there was, uh, you know... Aladdin coming out. Okay, it was like, great, Disney's at the top. But then, uh, for about a decade, things have been trending down. Do you even remember any uh, Disney animated movies from the early 2000s? No. What <laughs> he does, it was like, Brother Bear. Uh, you know, it's like, what? Which is that one? So those things weren't going well at Disney Animation. And part of the reason was because there was another creative entity that was starting to rise up. And, and this entity, uh, which was run by Steve Jobs, had some movies coming out like uh, Toy Story. Uh, a Bug's Life, you may know it as Pixar. And it was skyrocketing at how popularity, the, the popularity and the box office uh, revenue from those movies. And in fact, D Disney tried to partner with them and did partner with them on a number of movies because they realized their animation studio wasn't doing good, but Pixar was doing great, right? So Bob Iger, after this partnership and seeing that Steve Jobs <laughs> and Pixar was making just loads of money, he's just like, well, let's buy them. So he boldly went to Steve Jobs, and this was Steve Jobs' baby, his creation. He had created this company, but he boldly said, I'm going to buy that from you. And everybody had said, there's no way Steve Jobs will ever sell Pixar. That's his baby. That's his thing. But he asked anyways, and he was able to work out a $7 billion deal to buy Pixar. Okay, and, and we know that that was only like the first thing that Bob Iger did, because then he went and bought uh, Star Wars. He went and bought Mar Marvel for $4 billion each, and that helped him be even bolder so that this de decade, he went and bought Fox, 20th Century Fox, for $71 billion. Buying from the founder who, once again, nobody, everybody said, no way he'll ever sell Fox. But Bob Iger was bold. He said, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to put a bold offer on the table and just say, I I'm asking, I'm putting this huge thing that's audacious. Like, the audacity of that CEO to do it is, is crazy. 
And I learned from that, like, well, maybe we need to ask a little more boldly, right? Especially to the king of the universe who has the cattle on a thousand hills. That everything belongs to him. He created everything. He can give us anything. He can work out circumstances and events for our good. Why not ask boldly? Why not be shameless in our audacity that we approach God with? In fact, that's why I've titled this message, The Audacity of Prayer. (laughs) Because we can pray that way, being audacious. John Newton, who's famous for writing the hymn Amazing Grace, wrote a whole bunch of hymns, but one of them I love. um, Because he said, Thou art coming to a king. Big petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. None can ever ask too much. We have the king of the universe on our side. We have a personal relationship with him. Might as well go to him and ask for huge things. I love uh, the question Dawson Trotman, the founder of the Navigators, used to ask people. He used to ask them, what's the biggest prayer you've prayed this week? That's a great question. And I'm asking you guys, what's the biggest thing you've prayed for this week? If you can't think of something big, you're not praying boldly enough. You're not praying audaciously enough. Pray for something bigger. Pray for something that you think is impossible. There's no way that can happen. Pray for that. I want you to think about it. Maybe if you're watching online, you could even type it in or you can message us. We'll pray for that bold prayer with you. Pray audaciously for these things that seem impossible. We need to be shamelessly audacious in our prayers that we put before God. Maybe it's a financial prayer. Maybe it's a health prayer. In Ephesians 3.20 we read, Now to him who is able to do, and I love this in the, the, the NKJV, it says, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to his power that works in us. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We can go to this king. We can be bold. We can be audacious. So have you asked for something big this week, for something bold? Something even you're like, I don't know. (laughs) That's the kind of prayer we need to pray to our father in heaven, our dad in heaven. So that's the A. So we need to pray personally, relentlessly, audaciously, and the Y. Of course, this breaks the pattern a little bit, but I think you'll remember it even better that way. We need to expect a yes. Why is the yes, right? Expect a yes. This is the fourth thing in our prayer. And I want you to see this from verses 11 through 13. In verse 11, Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Hey, you're not going to do that. One's food, one will bite you. 12. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. Once again, one's food, one will poison you and, and sting a lot, Right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that may seem strange. You read the Holy Spirit. Okay, why would he say that? Well, here's the thing. God doesn't just give you the gift. He gives you the giver to live with you, to be inside of you, to be with you wherever you go so that Holy Spirit can carry your prayers to Jesus who sits at the right hand of the throne of God and speaks to our Father in heaven. The whole Trinity is involved every single time you pray. And that's why we can pray and expect a yes because God is on our side and as a good Father, He wants to give us what's best. Okay, God either gives you what you ask for. I've said this before. He either gives you what you ask for or something better. Because even when he doesn't give you the thing you're asking for, he's saying, no, I actually have a better plan for your life. God either gives you what you ask for or something better. And and that's what a good father does. And that's why we can expect a yes when we go to him. In Psalm 5.3, we learn how to pray. And it says, each morning I bring my request to you and wait 
expectantly. That's the attitude we should have. We should expect a yes from our Father in heaven. Just this summer, I, I met a new friend, and his name is, is Nasser, Nasser Jahan. And um, Nasser is originally from Iran. And he was raised uh, is Islamic. He was raised to say the prayers five times a day facing Mecca, um, as, as Muslims are taught. Um, but he and his family had to flee Iran um, because his father was a political dissident. Okay? They thought either he's going to get ex- executed or they've got to get out of the country. So they fled the country into Turkey, and they were there for a couple of years. And during that time, Nasser said that um, he became an atheist. He became an atheist because he said, if God can't protect us in our home country, in our homeland, he must not exist. So he was an atheist. His father was an atheist as well. But then his father was struggling. The family was struggling to survive. And there was a group of Christians at a church that gave his father a job, a construction job. So he started working. And and in that culture, you have to show respect and honor to people, even if they're a different faith than you. So because of that, he said, well, I guess I'll start reading the Bible (laughs) He was in a Bible study, and he read through the Gospel of Matthew as just a teenager, an atheist, but he he read through it. And he said he got to the end of Matthew where it talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And then the very next day, they got word from his sister who was still in Iran with his little niece that they were coming to travel from Iran to Turkey. And when they got to the border, they were stopped and arrested. They were thrown in prison, and and he knew that in in those days, probably even still to this day, that it was dangerous, right? It's dangerous for a, a woman, a, a woman without a husband, to be there with a daughter, and, and they were expecting the worst to happen to her, if she'd even be able to come out alive. So uh, Nasser said, told me that when he was there, he prayed and he said, "Jesus, if you are God, free my sister and bring her to us. If you're God, answer my prayer." Right? They prayed all night long, and then the very next day, they got a phone call from her, and she said, "I don't know why, but they just let me out." They let me out and I'm going to be there very soon. And this blew his mind and it began a journey of faith for him because God had said yes to this prayer, even when he had no faith, right? Even when he had no faith, if you're there. But what's amazing, he said his, his father was still an atheist, but just a couple of years later, um, his youngest sister, who had been born with a hole in her heart, um, was really struggling and she couldn't breathe one day. So the father ran three miles to, to bring this, this little girl, his, his sister, to the hospital. And they were all praying madly at, at this church. He was now a Christian, Nasser, and um, he prayed with the pastor and with the whole church they were praying. And the dad talked to the doctor and the doctor said, I'm sorry, she's probably not going to make it through the night. Her condition is so bad. There's nothing we can do. So the, the father called the, the church and, and once again said, could you just pray because there's no way we need a miracle. Well, right after he made that phone call, the doctor came back in to the hospital room. And his sister was completely healed. Looked 100% normal. She'd gone from, from black lips to healthy and breathing fine. And the doctor said, who did you pray to? Told the father who'd been an atheist. Whoever that God is, hold on to him. And it was in that moment that Nasser's father became a follower of Jesus as well. And I met Nasser because he is now a pastor. He married a missionary girl from, from Tucson, Arizona. So now he's a pastor in Tucson, Arizona. And he's in our network of churches. And, and Nasser went from that place of, of atheism, right? To believing in Jesus. Why? Because God answers prayers. He says yes, even when we don't have the faith that he's going to. So we need to grow in our faith. Grow in our expectations to expect a yes, to expect God to come through, that he is the good father and he's going to either give me what I ask or something better 
Expect a yes in your prayers. Expect a yes. Martin Luther, the great theologian, said that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Laying hold of his willingness. So expect a yes. So you guys think you guys can remember that acronym? Pretty simple, right? Pray. Personally, audaciously. I'm sorry, I'm spelling it wrong. Personally, relentlessly, audaciously, and expecting a yes. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray in this section. It's not about how many times we pray or exactly saying the right words or, or you know, what, what you're wearing or having the right beads or lighting candles or incense or anything like that, right? It's a radical different form of prayer that we can just talk to our dad in heaven. That we can go to him again and again for simple things, for basic things, for big things and expect from him that he has a good, good father, he will say yes. So I want to encourage you guys to do this. And I think one of the greatest signs that God does care about us and wants to answer our prayers is that our Father in heaven sent his own son. He gave us not only the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, but he gave us his son, Jesus, to come, to live for us, to love us, to offer forgiveness to all people, and yet still be rejected by the people he'd come to love and save. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died as punishment for our sins, all the things we have done wrong. So that through Jesus, through faith in Jesus and his blood shed on the cross, we can have a new relationship with our Father in heaven. That we can have forgiveness for all our sins, even though we sin again and again and again. And that we know, as it says in Romans 8.32, if if God were willing to give his own son, how much more will he give to us? How much more? Look, if he's willing to do that, what else is he willing to do for us? And that's why we need to learn to pray audaciously. It's not about how exactly we pray, you know, the position, the words we say, but it's praying to this, this dad in heaven to pray personally, to pray relentlessly, to pray audaciously and expecting a yes. And I want to encourage you guys, I want to challenge you to do that. You know, the quote from our series, Radical, comes from David Platt's book, Radical. And in it, he says about prayer, he says this, we ask God for gifts in prayer and he gives us the giver. We ask God for supply, and he gives us the source. We ask God for money, and he doesn't give us cash. Instead, so to speak, he gives us the bank. He has given us his son Jesus to live inside of us in the Holy Spirit, to talk to that God whenever we want. And it's that kind of prayer that we are challenged to do in this radical obedience to Jesus. So I want to invite you guys, encourage you guys to do that. Some of you who have never put your faith in Jesus, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to do that. And that can be your first prayer that's answered, that he will forgive you of your sins and provide you a new relationship with the Father in heaven. And that doesn't have to be formal and out there, but can be intimate and a relationship. So what I'm going to do is offer a prayer that you can repeat that after me if if you've never uh, put your faith in Jesus Christ before. I'm going to give you that prayer. And then I'm going to have all of us say a prayer together, okay? So would you all bow your heads right now and close your eyes? Now, if you're here or you're watching online, even if you're not watching online this Sunday, but but sometime in the future, and you want to put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Please repeat this after me. Father, I know that I am a sinner and ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Please give me the gift of eternal life. I invite your spirit to live in my heart. Help me to follow you and serve others 
with a radical love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time and accepted Jesus, I want you to text in the word follow to that number on the screen, 720-707-1757. Text in the word follow to 720-707-1757. I'd love to follow up with you and get to know you a little bit and encourage you in this relationship. But for all of us here, I want us to end with a prayer that maybe you have said your whole life, right? It's a version of this Lord's Prayer, right? Because there's a little bit different version in in the book of Matthew. Um, But we're going to say it together. So would you please stand with me as we say this prayer? And in case you're wondering, we're going to make it a little less formal than some of you grew up with. I grew up with these and thous and thy kingdom, right? We're going to say it a little less formal. And in case you're wondering, we're going to say sins, not debts or trespasses, okay? I know we, a lot of us come from different faith traditions, right? Different Christian traditions. So would you say this prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, Lord God, I pray that you bless all of us as we go out today. Help us have that intimate relationship with you. Grow in that relationship, following after your son Jesus and growing even with the relationship with him. I pray that we would be radically different in the way we pray. That we would we'd be able to pray personally and relentlessly, audaciously, and expecting a yes. Help us to grow in that way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for today. We're going to see you back next week. And make sure you're here to meet Chase. We'll see you guys.